0: As I was preparing this sermon, I looked back through my notes. I have preached on this passage in the past, a couple of years ago. And uh, oddly enough, uh, I had written the introduction the morning of that sermon, and it was pouring down rain and storming. And I had said something about that uh, in the introduction a couple of years ago. So it's funny that today we have a stormy day, and we're talking about the, the wind and the waves. So the Lord has set the tone and set the stage for us studying this passage today. Mark chapter 4. Verse 35 and following. Hear now God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. Leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even wind and sea obey him? Well, as I said before, the weather forecast has set the tone For our study this morning, Uh, it's appropriate that we have storms this morning. Hopefully none of you have been out in a boat this morning uh, fighting the wind and the waves like the disciples here in the passage before us. Probably not. You're all smarter than that. However, I am 100% positive that some of you are in difficult circumstances just like the disciples were in our passage today. Maybe you're not going through a physical storm, but you're going through uh, many of the countless other troubles that we humans go through in life that you may find yourself enduring at even this very moment. Storms do come. Health problems arise. The economy goes bad. The list goes on and on of things that are out of our control that give us difficulty in life. And trouble is no respecter of persons. Just because we are disciples of Jesus Christ doesn't mean that we are exempt from the difficulties of life. We look no further than this account before us today where we see that uh, the disciples are with Jesus and following him. And here they encounter this great storm, fearing for their very lives. So none of us are exempt from trouble. But how do we react in times of trouble? How do we navigate through the storms of life? And I think naturally when problems and troubles arise, we begin to ask questions. And there are three questions that are asked in this passage before us today. And I want to center my remarks around these three questions. We have two questions that the disciples ask and then one question that Jesus asks. Now the first question Uh, that the disciples ask is teacher do you not care that we are perishing of course they are in the storm and it must have been a really bad storm because we know that at least four of these guys they were they were fishermen by trade and if you were a fisherman by trade in those days that meant your father was a fisherman so they had grown up on the sea of galilee fishing and they had encountered storms in their past and they were seamen they knew how to, to get through the storms and the wind and the rain, but this one must have been really bad because they were frightened and they were fearing for their lives and they they wake Jesus up. He's asleep in the stern of the boat. And they say, Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care that we're dying here? Well, I have a, a hunch that the overwhelming majority of us here can identify with the disciples as they are enduring this storm and Jesus is is snoozing away in the stern of the boat. Have you ever wanted to ask the Lord when you're going through a difficult time, Lord, don't you care that I'm dying here? Don't you care? Don't you care what's going on? Are you awake? Are you paying attention? Sometimes we feel like the Lord is ignoring all the troubles that we go through in life. Maybe your heart and soul is screaming that today. Well, As we come to the second question that is asked here uh, in this passage, who is this that even the wind and the sea obey Him? Yes, we ask the question, Lord, don't you care? And you know, we may think that's an unworthy question to ask, but all we have to do is go to the Psalms, and we find many occasions, several occasions, where the same question is asked, like Psalm 44 and Psalm 88. Those were hymns that were sung in worship Lord don't you care where are you why are you quiet why are you silent where, why have you forgotten us so it's a question we all ask but the second question who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him that's the second question that the disciples ask who is Jesus we see here a couple of answers to that question he's a powerful savior that's the first thing he is God himself when uh, they wake him up, it says that he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, eh, you know, Be still, peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. The word there, peace, peace, he says, means hush, silence. I think of it as like a teacher with an unruly class. She's gone out of the room, and the classroom is going crazy, and she walks back in, and she says, Be quiet, hush, sit down, and calm down. And hopefully they obey, though I'm afraid it doesn't happen that way. But in this case, we've got Jesus saying this to the wind and the waves, and yes, immediately they stop. The words be still mean to close the mouth with a muzzle. So Jesus slaps a muzzle on the wind and the waves. The word calm denotes that the water became like a tabletop. I grew grew up about 30 minutes across the state line over here. And we used to go to Presley's Outing, which is just on the other side of Pascagoula, a lake. And we loved to water ski. And we would get out there early sometimes before any of the other boats could get out there. And that, that lake would be just like glass. And it's such a joy to, to water ski when the, when the water is still like that. Very smooth. Well, that's what you get here. The water becomes flat as a tabletop. And what you do there is when you look at the the Greek, it says it became a great calm or mega calm. So when Jesus said, peace, be still, what was raging and boiling and coming over the sides of the boat immediately becomes like glass, completely calm and still. He turns the raging storm into a calm with a few words and those words were the words of him who first created all things. The elements knew the voice of their master, and like obedient servants were quiet at once, as J.C. Ryle writes. That that uh, reminds us of the call to worship that we had this morning, Psalm 89, 8 and 9. O Lord of God, God of hosts, who is mighty as you are? O Lord, with your faithfulness all around you, you rule the raging of the sea And when its waves rise, you still them. A couple of Psalms over. The floods have lifted up. This is Psalm 93. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring. Mightier than the thunders of many waters. Mightier than the waves of the sea. The Lord, Yahweh, on high is mighty. Jesus here is demonstrating that he is none other than the God of hosts. Yahweh by name. Only God. Can still the water like that. You can do an experiment. You can go home, you can fill up your bathtub with water, and uh, you can stir it up, you know, get the water all raging, and you can shout all you want at that bathtub, peace be still, and I guarantee you it's not going to just go calm like that immediately. But Jesus does this to the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is much bigger than a bathtub, it's a 40,000 acre lake. 13 miles long and about eight and a half miles across at its widest point. It's got a maximum depth of 150 feet. And Jesus made it go from a raging sea, a hurricane, to dead calm in a moment. He is the sovereign God of the universe. All of creation and its circumstances are under his rule and control. He's demonstrating that here. Jesus is God. Who is Jesus? Who is this that even the wind and seas obey him? Well, he's the God of this universe. But we also see something about else about Jesus here in this passage. Who is he? Well, he's also not only is he divine, but he's also human. I mean, the man is asleep in the in the back of the boat while practically a hurricane is going on. Now, during uh, Isaac, I came over to the church just to check on things and Stuck my head out the front door and man the water was going crazy here at the beach and blowing. I could have just imagine what it was like to be what it would like to be on a boat in that mess. I mean that would be very, very frightening. But Jesus here is not frightened at all. He's he's sound asleep. And it points us to the fact that he's human. And why is he asleep in the back of the boat? Because he's tired. He's been preaching and teaching all day standing in this very same boat with crowds pressed around him and he's been doing this day after day he's weary he's so tired that he can sleep through a hurricane i was always astounded we I remember when hurricane frederick came in 1979 my dad slept the whole night through didn't wake up i think there was some water dripping in his room and he went and got a bucket and put it there and went back to sleep slept through the entire hurricane jesus is sleeping through the hurricane it was a deep sleep so he's tired And this is all I want you to see, is that Jesus was fully human. Not only is he divine, but he's fully human. He got hungry, he got tired, he got hot and cold. He went through all the trouble and difficulty that any human being goes through. He's fully human. And I can't say it better than the writer of Hebrews when he said, Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus was a human. He knows what we're going through. He's God, yes. He can still the storm. He's sovereign over creation. But he also understands our frame. He knows what we're like. He knows what we go through because he's walked in our shoes. And that's a comforting thought. We're not alone in the storm. He knows. He's been through the storms. Now, that brings us to the question that Jesus asks. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? In other words, if you look at the original language here, it says, why are you timid? Why are you cowardly? I mean, really, it's kind of a strong thing to say. I mean, like, don't you think it's obvious, Jesus? Why we're afraid? I mean, we're about to die here. But he asked, why have you no faith? Why, why have you still no faith? What is faith? A lot of people think faith is something they have to muster inside themselves. You know, if I just had enough faith, then God would do this for me. If I just had enough faith. But that is a false view of faith. Faith is not a virtue. It's not something that you muster in of yourself, up in, inside yourself. Faith is a gift. The Bible makes clear. Ephesians two, uh, among other passages that tell us that. Faith does not depend on our feelings. Faith does not even depend on our thoughts. The most important thing is faith. Is what is the object of your faith? That's the most important thing. Think of it this way. Uh, Two people fall off a cliff, and both of them see a branch sticking out on their way down. One person says, I have no clue, and I really don't think that branch is going to hold me up, but they reach out for it anyway, and they grab hold of it. The other person is falling off the cliff, and they said, oh good, there's a branch, and I'm sure that's going to hold me up, and they reach out and grab the branch. Both of them are preserved. Both of them are saved because they both reached out and grabbed the branch. It didn't matter if they were confident or not. It just mattered what they were grabbing hold to. And that's the point here. Jesus is saying, look, I am the God of this universe. I am also a human and I understand what you're going through. Reach out and grab me at this moment. Where's your faith? Put your faith in me. That is the most important thing. Jesus is asking that question to us today, as we go through the storms and troubles of life, where is your faith? Where is it? Where are you placing your faith? Where, who is the object of your faith? If you know who Jesus is, then your reactions to the storms of life should be different. He is God, therefore he can control the storm. He is human, therefore he does care whether or not we're dying here, whether we perish. If you know this about Jesus, you should trust him. If he tells you to get into the boat and go across the other side, then you will do just that. It doesn't matter if a storm arises. Well, we're like the disciples. That's the problem. You know, oh, wouldn't it be great if we just had that much faith in Christ that we would go and do and jump in the boat with Jesus wherever he would ask us to go. But we're like these disciples. You know, they were afraid when they thought they were going to drown. Jesus asked them, why are you afraid? They were afraid because their their lives were out of control. They didn't want to lose their lives. They didn't want to be out of control. That's why the disciples are afraid of the storm. The circumstances were too big for them to control. Their lives were out of their hands. Have you ever had a near-death experience? A time when you really thought you were going to die. That's how the disciples felt. They were afraid. I was working on the roof this summer. I wasn't working on on the roof. I was on the roof painting my house, getting it uh, getting it ready to be sold, so that we could move down here. And the ladder, uh, the the scaffolding that I was sitting I was standing on collapsed under me, and I just remember tumbling and trying to reach out and grab hold. There were no branches around for me to grab hold of, and I had that sinking feeling that. You know, I'm I'm completely out of control, and I can't stop it, and I'm about to hit the concrete, and I did. And thankfully, the Lord preserved my life and kept me from my head being like a pumpkin on the concrete. But he preserved me, thankfully. But in that moment, I had that sense that, you know, I, I have no control over these circumstances in my life at these, this brief moment, and it's a very sinking feeling. So we can understand why the disciples were afraid, And maybe you feel that way this morning. The circumstances of your life have got you feeling like you're completely out of control. That's why the disciples are worried here, why they're frightened. But the really interesting thing about this passage is that they're frightened because of the storm, but after Jesus calms the storm, they really are afraid. You know, I would think Jesus calms the storm and they'd say, Oh, great, that's comforting. But no, they are mega afraid, the Greek says. They are terrified. They were afraid when the storm was there and they thought they were going to lose their lives. But when Jesus says, peace be still, and everything becomes like glass, that really scares them. That's an interesting thing. Why? Why would they be terrified of Jesus? And does Jesus terrify us today? Yes, we might be afraid of the storms of life and the difficult circumstances we might go through, but are we even more afraid of Jesus? You know, if Jesus is who he says he is, and I think this is why the disciples are, are very terrified here. They are getting a glimpse of who Jesus really is, and it's sinking in for the very, for one of the very first times. Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? They are recognizing that if Jesus is who he says he is, then their lives really aren't in their control at all. And that's terrifying. If Jesus is who he says he is, then Jesus has the right to ask them anything. And that is a scary thought. You know, we like to have control of our own lives And when we're out of control, when our lives become out of our control, it frightens us. But to place our life into the hands of another whom we don't know where he's going to take us or what he's going to ask us to do, that, my friends, is terrifying. Because he's probably going to ask us to get rid of some sins that we don't want to get rid of. He's going to ask us to go do some things that we're not comfortable doing. He's going to take us through some difficult circumstances that we would love to avoid. Have you ever? Well, probably not many people have done this, but I've heard about people getting in a plane with these stunt pilots. You know, they're getting a they win a prize and they get to go up. These guys who do the de loops and they do the rolls, and you know, the pilot driving the plane is having a grand old time uh, taking these people up, and uh, but the person in the back seat is freaking out and they're screaming and it scares them to death Well, when you turn your life over to jesus it can be a bit like that you don't know where he's going to take you he might take you for a loop to loop he might take you who knows where and that is a scary thought he does not promise as we noted before when we read isaiah 43 that you will never have to go through a storm or pass through the fire he said when you do i'll be with you Now, see, if you're in that plane with a stunt pilot, you should relax and enjoy the ride, sure, because you know you're in the capable hands of a a master pilot. How much more is Jesus worthy of our trust? You know, when we pass through the waters, He is with us. How do we know He's worthy of our trust? How, How do we know that we can say, okay, Jesus, whatever you want, I'll do? How do you get to that point? You have to see that He's trustworthy. You have to see that He's trustworthy. And there's no greater demonstration of that than the entire life of Jesus, particularly when He faced the ultimate storm. Jesus Himself faced the ultimate storm of God the Father's wrath in our place on the cross. God's wrath, God the Father's wrath for our sin rained down on jesus and there was no one there to say stop cease it just came on down the thunderbolts of the punishment that belonged to us rained on down on him until the storm rained every last drop and at that point jesus cried out it is finished and because of what he did there we can know true peace He he did not enjoy peace in that moment, but because he went through that, we can know peace and we can trust him. Jesus is ultimately trustworthy because we know if he did that, then he has our best interests at heart always. He loves us supremely. And if someone loves you supremely, has your best interests at heart, and is sovereign over all the circumstances of life, why wouldn't you place your life into his hands? That's the question you want you to ask today. Will you place your life in his hands? What is Jesus asking you to do today? Is it to say yes to him? Uh, Is it to say no to some particular sin in your life is it some issue of obedience that he's asking you to do this that or the other and you're reluctant to do it because you don't know how it's going to work out and i was thinking of several things several examples of that tithing and that's one for me i can excuse myself and say oh well you know the church pays me so i'm just why would i just want to give them back the money that they just gave me well The point is, Jesus has asked me to do that in his word. So I should do that. It's especially difficult. It's not so difficult when you have money in the bank. But when things are tight, you think, well, maybe not. But that's just the matter. Do I trust Jesus enough to do what he's asked me to do? Maybe Jesus is asking some of us to go and witness to someone else, to share our faith with another. You know, But we're frightened. We don't want to do that because we don't trust that Jesus can take care of us through that situation. We're more worried about what the other person thinks or our own reputation or whatever it might be. Can you trust Jesus? Absolutely you can. He wouldn't ask us to do anything that's not for our best and for His glory and His kingdom. Consider these things and consider what Jesus is asking you today and say yes to Him. He'll take you through that storm. He'll steal it. He'll give you peace like you've never known, a dead calm in your life that is beyond understanding, even in the midst of some difficult circumstances. Let's pray together.